Welcome to All Angles Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Hunt, and in today's episode, I'm doing something I've never done before. Cannot believe it's taken me 38 episodes to finally do this, but I am answering all of your pressing questions about me personally and about business things, so I can't wait to get into it. But just so you know, if we are not already friends over on Instagram at Claire Hunt Photography, Go follow me and let me know you came from the podcast. I'd love to follow you back and just get to know you truly. And also, if I ever am letting you in on what the next episodes are going to be, you'll be able to have some input there. So you could have asked any of your questions, but hopefully today you get to know me a little bit more and also some business questions that people wondered the most whenever I was scrolling through all the questions that were submitted. So I can't wait to get into it and let you get to know me more and just have a little bit more of an unhinged kind of episode. So without further ado, let's do this. You are listening to All Angles, a business and photography podcast that truly hits on all angles of creating and sustaining a fulfilling photography career. Hosted by Claire Hunt, a former pediatric trauma nurse turned wedding photographer and educator. Every two weeks, Claire brings you tangible and actionable tips that help you improve your dream business all while providing you some encouragement along the way. For marketing, client experience, travel, content creation, productivity, and more, grab your coffee because we're about to hit on all angles of running your dream photography business. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to the show. I first of all just want to say Happy New Year to you. I don't know about you, but I love even number years more than odd number years. It's just a weird, weird thing about me. So I hope that you had a happy new year, a happy holiday season with your family and friends. And what do you say that we get into this episode and answer some of y'all's questions? So the very first one was, you really seem to do it all so well. How? Let me first of all start this by saying that I did it all on my own for far too long and I did not do it so well then. I do it all well now because it doesn't require me. So I have a team of people that I outsource to, and I really do not believe that I would be where I am today as far as my success goes, as far as my work-life balance goes, as far as my business structure goes, and just how well I do feel like everything is going. I wouldn't be where I am without my team and all of the people that I outsource to. So just for reference, I have, I think like six or seven people that I outsource two monthly different things that are their specialty. So for example, I have a podcast manager, I have a blogger who does Pinterest for me as well. I have a content marketer who does all of my Instagram content. I have a TikTok marketer who does my reels and TikTok videos. I have an admin assistant who does all of the backend admin work for me, helps me keep up with a lot of stuff. And the list just goes on. So I really would not be able to be where I am today if I did not have my team. So it really goes into, again, the work-life balance that I have. And it is far more worth the amount of money that I pay these people to be able to do everything really well and not burn myself out. So that is how I do it all so well. The second question is, how many times should I follow up with a client after sending my pricing guide? This is a wonderful question and something that I love to chat about. I am sure you've heard of the saying, the fortune is in the follow-up, and it's definitely true. If you are just responding to an inquiry and leaving it there and you're never following up, then you are losing leads, my friend. So 
If you have no idea what to say, when to say it, how many emails to send, all the things, I actually do have a freebie for you. It's called the Hook Inquiries email templates. And I give you my four email templates that I use for my inquiry response and follow-up process and when to send and all the things. And I've had so many photographers come to me and tell me that they've purchased email templates from other big name photographers and that they are just not gold like mine. And so that's their words, not mine, but they've had many more client calls booked, people responding to their emails, things like that, that they haven't seen with other email templates. So if you are unsure about what to say, like I said, or when to say it, then go ahead and check out the show notes and description. I'll link it there for you. It's a freebie. And also I'll just go ahead and answer the question here too. I always would follow up no less than three times. So that means you send your inquiry response and then also three follow-up emails. And you could do more than that. And you can customize the experience to each client too. So like, for example, this time of year, obviously couples are getting engaged. They're starting to think about who's going to photograph their wedding. Maybe they're inquiring with a bunch of different people. Maybe they're not even engaged yet. And they're just reaching out, trying to figure out like what the deal is. So if that's the case, and if you know that they're probably going to be hanging out with their family and friends and email isn't top of mind, then don't be scared to space out your inquiry follow-up responses based on actually what's going on in the world and what's going on holiday-wise. I think that's a very wise thing to do. The third question is, do you have a morning routine? I wish that I could answer this by saying, yes, and here is what I do every single day, and it makes me a better person. I struggle, honestly, with consistency and discipline as far as morning routines go. My nightly routine is pretty good, but my morning routine, not so much. I struggle. I like to sleep, so being able to wake up earlier, never been my strong suit, and I kind of just have given myself grace with that because someday I will have a family and I'll have to get up, you know? So now I'm just enjoying my life and enjoying my mornings. And really, I like slow mornings. And that's, I guess, my morning routine, if you want to call it one. Basically, what it looks like in the mornings for me, I utilize my hatch alarm clock to help me wake up and also do like a little stretch first thing in the morning before I get up. And then I will go and brush my teeth immediately You are a psychopath if you do not brush your teeth immediately before you drink anything or eat anything. I think that is the most gross thing in the world. So side note there, but after brushing my teeth, then I will go downstairs. I'll go ahead and make my breakfast and I'll have my coffee or whatever and sit there and just enjoy some silence and just quiet and take it slow. And sometimes that involves getting out my Bible or doing like a daily devotional. And sometimes I'm just sitting there looking at Pinterest or scrolling through things, which usually I'm trying not to be on Instagram, just scrolling, especially on my business Instagram, but sometimes on my personal, I will. And yeah, just take it slow. And then I get ready for the day. I usually get ready every single day, no matter what the day looks like, because I feel like it helps me to be more productive. But I don't really have like a strict morning routine like so many people do of like journaling and then doing yoga and whatever. And I do try to do yoga three to five times a week. So that is a priority for me. But actually recently I've been doing like midday yoga to take a break during the middle of my day from like, you know, my morning work to my afternoon work. And it's actually helped me a lot to not feel so rushed in the morning of I have to wake up by this time if I know I'm going to be able to do all of these things that I want to do, but then it doesn't feel like a slow morning for me. So that was kind of like a little bit of a word vomit there, but I don't really have a morning routine, but that's what most mornings look like. 
The fourth question is, how do you set yourself apart when you are selling yourself to your couples? I love this question. I could go on about this forever because there are so many things that has to do with this. But I'll say number one, definitely go back and listen to episode number 36, where I talked about personal branding being non-negotiable for photographers because really like you are you and nobody can be you. And I think letting people in on who you actually are and even just showing up on consultations and things, how you speak and writing your website, how you speak so that there's a familiarity there. I think that that is so important to just be who you are because you are you. Nobody can be you. That is the most unique thing about you. And also at the same time, as far as strategy goes and things like that, I've had less of a focus on, I guess, selling myself to my couples because I know it's like a two-way street. They have to also be sold on me and I have to also be sold on them. So I really view it as like a collaborative relationship rather than trying to sell myself for the sake of selling myself. So with that, I've just focused on sharing my experience and my approach and my why for business and why I even love photography, my favorite parts of the day, like really letting people in on those kinds of things so that we can feel out whether or not we are a good fit, as well as also just sharing my values and things in business that mean a lot to me and my promise to my couples and basically like my mission statement and all of that. I think that's important to let people in on so that they can also determine whether or not you're a good fit for them. I have very few calls where I'll get on a call with a couple and they won't already know that I'm going to be their photographer. And I mean, I do have people who decide to go elsewhere because of budget or whatever, but usually people are getting on that call with me knowing that they want to book with me. And I think that that has to do a lot with the pre-work as far as the client experience goes. And I've talked about this in another episode too. It is episode number 14 about how client experience could be impacting your inquiries and bookings. And it's all about from a before booking and before inquiring client experience perspective. So highly recommend listening to that. But also at the same time, like whenever it does come to selling yourself to couples, understanding your why and just being so solid on your brand values and being able to share that. I think those are some of the most important things. And also, if you've never read the book Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, I think that is so beneficial to read as well. And Find Your Why or Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Both of those are such great books too. So yeah, it really has a lot to do with why you're in this business in the first place and who you are. There's nobody that can take that from you. So that's what I would say as far as how do I go about selling myself to couples. The fifth question is, is it Garrett who does your podcast intro? I've always wondered. Yes, it is. If you don't know, Garrett is my husband and he is the intro of this podcast. He's the one who's speaking. It's so funny because whenever I started this podcast, I really did not want it to be me who is doing the intro because I feel like it's kind of just boring if you're listening to the same voice for the entire episode, especially for the solo episodes where I don't have a guest with me. So I asked him, I was like, would you want to do this for me? And he was so down for it. And I think the take that you guys listen to every single episode, I think it was only his second take. And I've just stuck with it since then. And I felt like the acoustic intro really was like me. It's so happy and uplifting as well. And I feel like Garrett's voice is just so charismatic. And that's really like how he is. So I felt like it really fit. And I love it. I don't think I'll ever change it. 
The sixth question is, who is your favorite author? And oh my gosh, I could talk about books for life. Like literally another reason for you to come on over to Instagram and follow me is because if you're also a book lover like I am, then I'm usually always sharing what book I'm reading and all the things over on my stories. But I will say I am definitely a romance girly. I love a mystery and thriller too. Since this episode is going to be airing in the new year, I am going to be trying to read some fantasy. So I think this airs on January 5th. And if that's right, then I might be reading a Sarah J. Moss book for the first time. So TBD on how I feel about fantasy. I'm not sure if I'm going to love it. But as far as my favorite author goes, I feel like this is kind of a controversial statement because people are like, if you love Colleen Hoover the most, then like, do you read anybody else? But let me tell you, Colleen Hoover, she is my favorite author for sure. And I feel like nobody has the kind of style that she has. And I've read many romance books and I have other favorite authors too that would probably be like two, three, four, five, you know, but Colleen Hoover, she's definitely number one. I feel like I get so sucked into her books and there's always some twist that I usually don't expect. And I feel like most times I can expect a twist or a lot of romance books are kind of just like, oh my gosh, you kissed this person. And so that's the big twist. Like, no, Colleen Hoover's books, they have a little bit of a darkness to them. And I think I really like that because I also love mystery thriller kind of vibes. So yeah, Colleen Hoover, she takes the cake. I'll get through her books in like two days. It's kind of wild because if you didn't know this about me, I did not start reading until October of last year. So I've only really been reading for a year and a couple of months. And I just thought I didn't like reading because I would read all these self-help or like business kind of books or even like spiritual type of books. And I would just struggle to get through them. Like I struggled so hard and even in school and like whenever I was younger, I did not have great reading comprehension. My mind would trail all over the place. And so I never thought I liked reading. And then with being older and reading business books and whatnot, like I have gotten through some of them, but it just has not been my strong suit. So I didn't think I liked it. And then I started actually with a Ruth Ware novel. It was The Woman in Cabin 10 in October. And I was like, ooh, a little mystery thriller in October. Like, why not? I'm just going to try it. And I loved that book. I thought it was so good. And I finished it on a cruise. And I ended up reading, I think it was Verity by Colleen Hoover next because I knew there was kind of like a mystery vibe to it. And that book shook me. We were on the cruise. I've read it in two days. I was like, we did not do anything else other than let me finish reading that book. And it was wild. So that book definitely has a lot more darkness than her other books. But I love Colleen Hoover. And I'm going to stop there because otherwise I'll just keep talking about books for this whole episode. Are you a wedding or elopement photographer who wants to learn how to attract, book, and serve your dream couples within the next three months? If so, inside my mentorship program, Book It, you will go from barely booking or accepting jobs just for the income to fully booking it with dream couples you're actually excited about. This program has served over 65 students and they've gone from not knowing where their next inquiry is coming from to consistent inquiries that convert into bookings. Instead of running their business with no real plan, they're standing out from the crowd with consistent marketing and a strategic website that calls in their dream couples. They've gone from serving budget shoppers to raise prices, booking their highest packages on repeat. After our 12 weeks together, you will build or rebuild your business to become a profitable, sustainable consistent and fulfilling one if you're really ready to get clear on the next steps that you should take for your business in order to book out your calendar 
Book It is the group mentorship program for you. You can learn more and apply through the link in the show notes and description, and I will personally review your application to make sure that it is the next best step for you. I truly cannot wait to meet you and serve you in this way. Let's get back to the episode. Moving on, the seventh question is, how do you find the perfect work-life balance? And I'll just start by saying, I don't think perfect exists, especially whenever talking about work-life balance, because honestly, if it were up to me, I would barely work at all. And that's just not possible for the goals that I have and the plans that I have and how much my business does need me. I have gotten to a place where it feels sustainable and so good. Like I shared with you guys at the beginning of the episode, if I didn't outsource, then I would not have the work-life balance that I do have and my business would require so much more of me and I just don't ever want to go back there. But as far as how do you find the perfect work-life balance, I think really it begins with thinking about what is your dream work-life balance? How much do you actually want to work? What is your hope as far as like what your workday looks like? And even just having that discipline to stick to the boundaries that you set so that you do have more of a life balance. So for example, if you want to stop working at 5 p.m. every day, then whenever the clock hits five, you just have to stop and know that it's okay if you didn't get everything done. And now this time is to completely disconnect from work and go spend it with your husband or your friends or your family, whatever that looks like for you. And so I think really just sticking to those boundaries is probably number one. And then number two, again, outsourcing the things that you don't enjoy or what takes up most of your time that would free up your time for other things or just time off of work. I think those two things have probably been the biggest for me. And lastly, I think just managing my time well whenever I am working and really focusing on that and the tasks that are at hand, I think that's also been really helpful. So then again, if you go back and listen to episode number 37, if you can think about what you did get done for the day rather than what you didn't get done, that's really helpful to be able to disconnect in those times where you do have those set boundaries where you're done with work or you're going to just enjoy dinner with your husband and not talk about work because I found that whenever I'm in that season of a lot of busyness, it's really, really hard for me to disconnect. And so just thinking about that and even thinking about the difference I feel being a photographer and educator versus a nurse, it's so different and I'm so thankful for it. So even just remembering like where I've come from, I think that's helped me appreciate the work-life balance I do have even just that much more. So I hope that helps to kind of give you a little bit of guidance there. The eighth question is, how did you and your husband meet? Oh my gosh, so fun. So Garrett and I, we have known each other since we were like way younger. I think we were like 13 years old and we both went to different schools, but my friend was dating his friend. And so then we got acquainted through that. And it was probably honestly in the MySpace days. Isn't that crazy? And I remember then transferring over to Facebook at some point, and we always kind of kept up with each other's lives. And I do remember there was a season where we would text a lot. We just never dated, though. We always had crushes on each other. But I think both of us were a little bit too nervous to really do anything about it being so young. And so then, yeah, throughout our teenage years, we kept in touch. We stayed acquainted through mutual friends, and we always kind of knew what the other person was up to as far as like who he was dating and who I was dating. And 
I could still go back on my Facebook and redo some of the messages that he would send me. But yeah, there was one time, oh man, I always tell this story and it's so sad. I feel so bad about it. But also at the same time, this just gives you a glimpse into what our relationship was like. I definitely played hard to get for sure. I thought I was some hot stuff back in my high school days. And literally he ended up messaging me one time and was like, hey, I lost your number. And I just responded and said, I'm sorry, I just saw this. And it was only like two hours after he had sent me that message. So literally so rude, right? Like I'm like, Claire, you are not some hot stuff. Give the dude your number and quit being like that. But yeah, many times throughout our high school years, he would like think he saw me out in public and that sounds so like stalkerish, but we just, we knew each other enough where it was like comfortable to reach out, but I never gave him the time of day. And so Garrett always says it took him 10 years to convince me to be with him. And so we ended up going through our high school years, college years, nothing really happened. We knew of each other. We were acquainted with each other, like I said. But then after college, I moved down to Nashville and I became good friends with one of my gals, Becca. And she ended up being really close with Garrett. And so we ended up just saying like, hey, we should totally hang out with Garrett sometime, like all together as a group or whatever. And so it happened. And then we kind of formed this like friend group. You could almost think like new girl kind of vibes. And Garrett and I fell for each other. And it was a very mutual thing. And it was really fast because we always kind of knew it was there, but it just was never the right time or whatever, you know, just like life circumstances. So yeah, then we ended up getting engaged and married within a year. So it was like fast, but when you know, you know, and it's just, it's such a beautiful story. It's so fun, but yeah, it's cool. He redeemed my dating experience. I freaking hated dating. So that's how we ended up meeting. The ninth question is, what are some unique wedding gifts for clients that they'll actually want? And let me just start off by saying that I am not the person to ask about this because I don't feel like I am a good gift giver. I don't feel like it's one of my strong suits. I'm definitely a words of affirmation girly. And for people who give good gifts and do it really well, like you are just a different breed and I am definitely jealous of you. But I will say that I don't give client gifts. That's something I've never done just because it doesn't feel aligned for me. And so like, let that be your permission slip that if it's also not something that you're good at or you don't feel called to, then like, don't feel like you have to, but I will do other things for my clients. And so I'm happy to dive into that at any point if you guys would like. But as far as gifts that I did think of, I just get so in my head about it. Okay. Like, let me just tell you my thought process. I'm like, oh, I could send like a bottle of champagne or wine. But then I'm like, what if they don't like this specific wine? Or what if they don't like champagne? Or what if they aren't drinking because they're sober? These are personal things that I just don't know, especially after a client books with you, you know? So you could ask about it in a questionnaire and then go based on that. So that is kind of one of the things that I have done is I ask, what's your favorite drink, non-alcoholic or alcoholic? And then I can kind of base it based on that or like, what's your favorite candy? Like, I think you could do things like like that to learn more about your clients to give a better gift but that's one thing I've thought of another thing I've thought of is like for my eloping couples I thought about getting them personalized bow books but then my head goes to well what if they don't like this specific style it doesn't match the vibe that they're going for or what if they already had vow books that they really wanted to use and now it's super awkward because they know I gifted them this and now they feel like they have to use it on their day because I'm going to be photographing it. So it's just this weird thing that I get so caught up in. And so I've just chosen to give a good client experience beyond gifts and really just try to think of my couples 
more so in an intentional way and maybe show up to their session with the drink that they love the most or their favorite candy or something like that instead of doing this whole wedding gift. And also with like candles and whatnot, I never would have thought of this, but like my husband, he hates the smell of pine. Like he does not like pine candles at all. And I love that smell. And like, that's probably one that I would gift to a couple if they booked with me. And so now I'm just in my head about even candles. And I know people do that. So I really do think it's the thought that matters more than the actual gift, but I don't want to waste time for myself or my clients or space in their trash can if they really don't like it, you know? So that's never something that I've done. That's my perspective. So definitely not the best person to ask about unique client gifts that they'll actually love. The 10th question is, what is your Enneagram? And I'm not like super well-versed on Enneagram, but I did do it forever ago. And I'm definitely a two wing three for sure. I think that really describes my personality very well. So that's about all I know about it. But I'm definitely the helper. I'm the server. That is how I show up in my business and my personal life. That's, I think, what made me want to get into nursing in the first place. So it's just, yeah, one of the biggest pillars and values to me is serving people. And even in my education side of my business, what's the point of being a mentor if you don't actually help? So it's the helper. It's the helper in me. The 11th question is, who do you look up to the most in the photography community? This is going to sound so awful, but I don't really have people that I look up to. And it's not because they're not out there to look up to, but it's because I think I kind of just stay in my own lane and do my thing and know that if I need help or need coaching or need education, I'll find it. But I don't really feel like this strong tie to anybody. And I think it's mainly because I don't want to get caught in the comparison or feeling like I'm not doing enough or, oh, maybe I should do this. I just stay in my own lane. So obviously there are so many talented photographers out there and even talented educators and people who probably many of you look up to. But I just, I don't want to get caught in this like echo chamber, I guess, if that makes sense, where I end up taking things that they've shared and I think it's my own or even just all talking about the same things. I kind of like to show up in a different way. And that, speaking of Enneagrams, sounds like an Enneagram 4, but that's not it. It's not that I feel like I have to be some unique thing and nobody else can be like me and I have to be so like far left and just in my own lane. Like, no, it's not like that. It's just, I think it's healthier for me to just kind of, yeah, be my own person and look up to myself, but not in a conceited way. It's a hard thing to describe. I hope you understand what I'm saying and maybe some of you can relate, but that's my answer to that question. The 12th question is, how did you find your editor? What's the experience been like and do they call and edit? This is a great question. So I found my editor, I'm pretty sure, through just doing like lots of Google searches and reaching out to many people and asking about what the experience is like and whatnot. And so now I have a more so private editor, a company that I was with, they sold off their company to another company and they actually had a private editor that I could go with. So that is how I found them. The experience has been wonderful. It has saved me so much time, friend. I used to spend over, you know, nine to 12 hours on one wedding gallery with calling and editing and probably even more than that sometimes because I'm a chronic overshooter. Yes. And they call for me, they edit for me. And I now spend like two hours putting finishing touches on everything. And this is one thing that I shared on my stories. Like I always hear from people, I'm nervous to outsource my editing because that is my artistry. And I'm like, 
Absolutely. Like it's my artistry too. And I still put finishing touches on every image. I still go through every single one. I still make sure that every part of the day was cold for. I still make sure that everything is 100% in line with what I would want to deliver. And it's been that. So it takes me two hours instead of nine to 12 plus. So I love the experience so much. It saved me so much time. I would not be able to do it on my own and not go crazy. So that kind of goes back to my work-life balance. I love my editor. Highly recommend it to be in your goals for 2024 if it's not already. The 13th question is, what is your favorite mixed drink, favorite color, favorite song? Love this. I love a good margarita. I also love a good Mexican mule. So basically think Moscow mule, but with tequila instead, which makes it a Mexican mule. I love it. I love lime. I love that kind of flavor. And I really do like tequila a lot. So I'd say either one of those are probably my favorite mixed drink, but also at the same time, like I haven't really dabbled much in the world of alcohol and liquor. Like I don't know much about it, honestly. And I think I usually drink more wine than anything else, but if I do drink a cocktail, it's probably one of those. However, I will say I recently tried a mojito for the first time and I was obsessed. So who knows? I still have a lot to explore there. As far as my favorite color, I love the color olive green and I think that'd be my favorite. If you would have asked me a year ago, I think I would have said terracotta, but I feel like terracotta kind of goes with too much boho kind of vibes now. And so I think olive green, like what my office is painted, I love it. And then my favorite song, gosh, I mean, the one I always go back to is Slow Dancing in a Burning Room by John Mayer. I love that song. And it's always just such a feel-good song for me. But I have so many favorite artists and people that I really just love their music. Like Steven Sanchez, he is one of my absolute favorites right now. He's so talented. We saw him live in Denver and it was just amazing. I feel like he's the Elvis of this generation, but also at the same time, he's unique in his own ways. And I love Elvis. Like I just, I love so much. I love music. And if you didn't know this about me, music is a huge pillar of my own life. I sing, I play guitar. I used to play piano. Wouldn't say I do anymore because I suck at it now, but yeah, it's a huge thing for me. So it's hard for me to say a favorite song, but I feel like the one I always go to and enjoy listening to and never skip would probably be Slow Dancing in a Burning Room by John Mayer. Question number 14 is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I have never thought about this, and I can't believe I've never thought about this. Honestly, I really love Colorado, and that was such a big move for us that took a lot of, I guess, courage, but also it felt so right at the same time. So I really do love living in Colorado compared to Nashville. feels more aligned with my life and whatnot. But if I could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I'd say probably somewhere coastal. And I'm thinking like a home on the edge of the coast, but still seeing mountains somehow and having like birds fly through the air and having like the most just beautiful garden of a backyard that's like my own little zen space to do yoga and things like that. I think it would be more about the place rather than actually where yeah, I'm kind of like thinking more of my dream home rather than actually where that would be. But more than anything, the biggest thing I wish, and this is like kind of a vulnerable thing, I wish I could be close to my family. My family's like all split up all over the place. And I would just love if it was easier to see my dad and my sister all the time, honestly. And so I think home is, you know, where the heart is. And really my home is with my husband and eventually the family that we will create together. But 
I think that it'd probably be more about the house and where it being near to my family rather than actually like the place, if that makes sense. Don't know if that's a great answer, but I think family really matters. And it's something that I miss out on in my life quite a bit just because of different life circumstances that have happened to cause that over the years. So that's my answer. The last question is, what are your goals for 2024 as far as business and personal goes? And honestly, I haven't had much time yet to think about what my goals really are for the year. I haven't sat down and done my own goal planning yet, but I will be soon. And I could share more with you on Instagram if you're really super interested in knowing like every detail. But I will say like, as far as personal goes, I know that I definitely hope that 2024 is the year that I become a mom and that's not really in my control, but I would love to be a mom. I'm very much looking forward to that phase of life with my husband. And also at the same time, I really want to work less, but prioritize more experiences. So instead of just working less to work less and not have to work, I want to work less to prioritize doing fun things and getting out of the house. My husband and I, we can be kind of reclusive in a good way, like not bad, but like we love our home. We love being home. We're homebodies. I'm more so like not super introverted, but introverted. He's kind of extroverted, but introverted at the same time. It's like we just enjoy being home. And I think that kind of hinders us from experiencing as much as we would like. And so I think personally wise, that's what I would hope for in 2024. As far as business goes, I really have to think about this because I feel truly so good about where my business is at. And I don't even have the goal to one up my income from this year. Honestly, I think making less money, I'd be cool with it. I'm just at the point in my life where I'm so grateful for this business of mine. And honestly, I just want to keep it that way. I love the photography side of my business. I love the education side of my business. And I definitely see myself scaling back from photography a bit because if I am going to be a mom, then that's going to change things for me a bit. But who knows? Who knows what 2024 holds for me and for Claire Hunt Photography and Claire Hunt Education and All Angles Photography Podcast. We'll see. I have to still think about that and determine what really feels like, you know, what am I reaching for this year? I'm not sure yet. So I'll keep you posted on Instagram if you really, really want to know. But that is it for today's episode, my friend. That was so much fun getting to answer these questions you guys had asked. Thank you for asking them. And I hope the answers were sufficient for you and maybe made you laugh a little bit. But yeah, thank you for being here. Happy New Year. Hope you had fun listening to this episode and I'm rooting for you always. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'll be back in your ears with more photo biz goodness every two weeks. So be sure to subscribe to the show. If you're loving the episodes, I want to welcome you to leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify so the podcast reaches more listeners just like you. Also, it lets me know what you enjoy hearing the most, and I promise it really goes a long way. If you're ready to dig deeper, save yourself time, and master all angles of running your dream photography business, I offer one-on-one mentoring, group mentorship programs for wedding and elopement photographers, and resources to make your business work for you instead of the other way around. The links to all of these offerings will be in the show notes and description, as well as any freebies and discounts mentioned in the episode. Until next time, my friend. 